You're listening to episode 113 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Nope, nope, nope. Stop it. Listen, I'm inspired by our federal government here in the United States. In our country, the government is shut down. And I think that's a great idea. I'm shutting the podcast down. Let's do it. (gasps) Shut down. It's in effect right now. The Phil Podcast Shutdown. Over what issue? Uh, I think it was issue 69. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice, 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 nice. We're in shutdown mode now. Uh, I want to shut you down specifically. Uh, Well, I mean, I am now. Yeah. That wasn't planned. (laughs) It may have sounded like it was, but uh, (laughs) Phil's just a complete fool. Uh, Welcome to the 113th episode of the show. Happy to be here. Happy to... Uh, be broadcasting for you guys. We're rounding out the year. Uh, this is the uh, penultimate episode of the show before uh, before we die. Well, maybe it's we got possible. one more, and then we're all gonna die. Yep. <laughs> uh, wouldn't I wouldn't put it past this podcast for us to all just die. Um, it'd be unfortunate, but hey, things happen. <laughs> Should we talk about our successors? Who would take over for us? Well, your successor like has already been planned. Your successor is uh, uh, Henry Cavill. We all know this. Listen, the other thing we all know is that Henry Cavill, it would be it would be too low ball for Henry Cavill <laughs> to join our squadron, our suicide squadron. <laughs> what are we, some kind of suicide squadron? <laughs> Um, I've actually been, uh, I've, been so, I've been auditioning uh, a foghorn to replace Pete. Great, 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 great. So Pete's Pete's absent. Uh, if you care, yeah. If, if that matters, it's why, we, to you. It's, it's why we brought the foghorn in. This will be a <laughs> this will be a quieter episode than usual. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Quite frankly, it's been getting noisy. We get noisy. So, uh, before we jump into all of our usual shenanigans, I do want to, you know, take care of some business here. Uh, let you guys know where you can find us all over the web. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals on most podcast hosting platforms. Still working on that Spotify deal. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. You can leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. All of the things I just mentioned are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you to do. We've got a plethora of content out over the last couple of months that uh, I think you guys really are going to want to check out. If you have not, uh, we've got several different book clubs out there in the wild, including the Klaus Book Club, which is on the way. That will be dropping on Christmas Day. That's our gift to you guys. Uh, that's Grant Morrison and Dan Mora, I believe. Yes, and uh, thank you, Ryan Klubeck, for the suggestion. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Tomorrow, uh, when this episode comes out. How much longer are we going to kiss his ass for sending in a... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as soon as Christmas is over, my man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sick of hearing his name over and over again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Like, he did something great. I suggest things all the time that we don't do. Yeah, but we don't care about your suggestions. Get the heck out of here! Kale, you're not a listener of the show. (laughs) That's true. He definitely isn't. You're not wrong. You're not wrong there. There you go. (laughs) 
Last week, I issued a response to the challenge of Matt Murphy to a game of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is not a gaming podcast, but our rivalry, uh, the rivalry between the Comics Pals and the Longbox is well documented over the last two years. Is it a rivalry or is it like a big brother, little brother thing? It's kind of funny that you say that because they actually started before us, but it feels like that, doesn't it? Well, I I guess it's more like when the little brother becomes successful and good and great at life, and the big brother is still, uh, you know, at at home in mom's basement. Kind of like a seedy asshole. Yeah. Yeah. They're the one at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, everyone's asking you, oh, how's life? Uh, You know, you found a girl, all this great stuff, and then that big brother, who's still in mom's basement, is just eating turkey bones in the corner. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> Talk, talking about tentacles and hentai. No, you don't understand, Hent Dolores. That's it's hentai. It's an art form. Let me show you. All right. Uh, you, know, you know Samuel L. Jackson likes hentai. Yeah. Does it make it culturally relevant? Is that a fact? Yeah. All right. Was it him? I think I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> Happy seven. I, I I put out that challenge. I don't. They haven't had the opportunity to respond yet. The episode, well, for us in our time, their episode hasn't dropped. I'm sure uh, he'll have a reaction on this upcoming episode of The Long Box. For you guys listening now, it would already be out, uh, and uh, that will have whatever the response is. So go over there if you want to hear their response to our challenge. But I did want to say you'll probably have an update on when we we will be broadcasting soon, whether or not that is on Twitch or it's a YouTube video that we post. You guys will have access to watching the games should they accept. So we'll keep you posted on that front. And you know what? If you could beat our if you could beat our collective second best Smash player, then maybe you can face our best Smash player on the show. And who's that? Uh, why? Of course, that would be me. Uh, (sighs) hold on, Phil. Are we sure it's not me? Mm, I don't know. No, shut up, guys. It's definitely not me. We know that. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> it's not even a joke. Well, it sounds like, uh, given given what Phil just said, we're going to have to do more than just have uh, Matt and I play because, Phil, you're, you're, you're throwing something down there. Yeah, well. Sounded like a challenge. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I, uh, I'm in that uh, winner's bracket waiting for... You know, whoever's worthy to challenge me. How did you get in the winner's bracket? Bribery, my friend. <laughs> you left the back door open. How do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm not very conscientious. Uh, well, that day, if it does happen, will probably be filled with a lot of smashing between friends. So uh, you might get to see Phil and I throw down as well. But But not me. I'm not allowed to play. That's right, because you Guy live. moves across the world, can't play Smash with his friends. Because you're married, and when you get married, you're not allowed to play Smash. You're only allowed to smash one person. <laughs> <laughs> that does suck. That does suck. Uh, speaking of Matt Murphy, he did write in with a little bit of listener mail. So, Kale, why don't you take it away? Here we go. Pals, this coming year we'll see the release of Spawn number 300 effectively making it the longest-running independent comic in American history. The comic it will be surpassing is Dave Sim and Gerard's epic, Cerebus. Do you think Spawn is, a, is as important to American comics as Cerebus? What, bu- what books do you hope will surpass, surpass Spawn? 
Thanks for that good content, boys. Matt. So after um, dunk, dunking on uh, Matt for the past 20 minutes, uh, you know, he uh, paid us a very gracious com- compliment. So that's you know, uh, pretty par for the course. He also asked us a uh, question of some sort. So I guess Pete should take it away. <laughs> Any second now. Ah, <laughs> oh, bitch. <laughs> That is hilarious. That that that's really great. Oh, thank uh, you, it, Pete. Is it that point of the week already? <laughs> I guess that means, uh, according to Pete, it's time for the random question question wow. of the week. So time just flies you. by. Yeah. <laughs> so let me uh, let me readdress the question here. Yeah. That's so dumb. Indeed, it is. <laughs> do you think Spawn is as important to American comics as Cerebus? What books do you hope will surpass Spawn? All right. Uh, anybody have a, a hot take here? I have both hot takes, and I've been working on this question ever since I read the email. So I have both hot takes, and I sort of want to bite into this question for a minute. So if you guys want to jump in and spout your bullshit for a minute. Do your thing, man. Yeah, just go for it. All right, so one, hot take, no one reads Cerebus. Get the fuck out of here. Cerebus hasn't been relevant in comics for years. Like, especially in American comics. Get fucking real. So, here's the educational part. I was very interested in this question because... I had never heard of Cerebus until I read one of um, Dave Sims' crazy. He calls it. He calls it an anti-feminist rant. What dude? Dude is like a hardcore. Like I. I can't speak now. Now he's found some several sorts of religion. Um, it sounds like he is mostly Muslim now. And from what I've read, he. Uh, he says like a, a fifteen hundred word prayer five times a day is what I've is what I've read during this reading I was doing. It's just a really really weird group of of words that made a Wikipedia article. Like <laughs> you could be religious and also uh, misogynistic is the thing. No, for sure. Um, but the, so the thing is, the more I dug into Cerebus, actually, the more interested I was. So Cerebus is about an aardvark, an aardvark by the name Cerebus, and it starts as a uh, a sort of fantasy swords and sorcery type of parody comic. And so for the first like 25 issues, it's like some of the best fantasy comics that are out there. He makes it more like political and like takes it into like a more serious direction, moving away from the parody aspect. After about 100 uh, issues, yeah. When Cerebus is published... Uh, in like trade form, it comes out in basically books that are the size of phone books. And now it's known as like a, a Cerebus phone book whenever you go out and like try and buy it. So let me, let me address the question here because this, it's just, it's so crazy. Cerebus versus Spawn. Which do I think is more influential? Crap. I would have said Spawn. I think today, I, I still think today it might be Spawn. Uh, Spawn has, the movie you know that was and that was at the height of spawn fame right 
2011 was issue 200 of Spawn, and it completely sold out. Spawn, okay, so Spawn number one, though, in 1992, sold 1.7 million copies. Holy shit. That's, excuse me? Holy shit. Oh, okay, yes, that's the correct reaction. That's, (laughs) that's without, like, holograms, that's without, like, variant covers and all the bullshit. That's 1.7 million copies. That's, that's fucking huge for comics, right? right? Where are we going with this, Kale? A lot, a long way. Bring us home, baby. So in in Cerebus, the series hits a personal sales record. I'm just going to quote from Wikipedia from here. The series hits a personal sales record with issue number 100, which despite being a normal issue in the middle of a story arc, had a print run of 36,000 copies. Pretty fucking good, right? Sales took a substantial drop over the next 50 issues, but Sim comments on the fact that readers can't jump into Cerebus. To answer the question, I think I think at some point, and maybe for uh, creators like Laird and Eastman of the Ninja Turtles, Cerebus probably was super influential. I don't think it is relevant anymore. Um, that said, the more you look into Cerebus, the crazier it gets. Okay. Uh, so that was the... <laughs> That was the sounds like Pete disagrees. <laughs> that was the long answer. Uh, I got the short answer. In no way is this book as influential as Spawn. Uh, Spawn is obviously far, far more popular than Cerebus. Um, it, I mean, it had a movie. You know, regardless of whether or not you think the movie was any good, it had a movie. That's that in and of itself is a pretty huge. Um, thing to have happen and what spawn means for independent comics i mean the fact that you could have a an independent comic i mean you know i I guess it's not independent because it's image but whatever you get the point it's not marvel or dc um the fact that you could have a comic like that sell as much as it has uh historically especially at its peak that it could have a movie. I don't know if you have necessarily a, a, a Robert Kirkman-like mm. success mm. without Spawn. That book really, really matters in that regard. And yeah, okay, maybe people don't care about Spawn as much these days. But you look at like something as small as Mortal Kombat 11, right? Video game. People want Spawn. You know, that's the number one character people are clamoring for. Spawn's about to have a new movie. Issue 300 is on the horizon. Like, there's so much Spawn in 2018. Who's talking about Cerebus? I don't know one person who's ever read it. I Yeah, I, I never read Cerebus until uh, my master's degree. So... I, I think, yeah, there's, like, a loss of relevance there because, like, even, even in terms of, like, indie comics, uh, I would consider something like um, like Mouse from Art Spiegelman to be an indie comic that is way more popular and has been named to be much more influential. It's one of like the, the few alternative comics that a lot of people have read. And Cerebus, I mean, I, I've seen the art style and I've heard Dave Sims' name in fantasy stuff, but like outside of this character specifically. But Spawn just basically to, like to what Sean said has had that much that much more of a influence in like the zeitgeist Uh, one other thing i would say is that um 
you know, I brought up the comparison to the Ninja Turtles, which, which Matt brought up in the Discord, uh, full disclosure. Um, uh, like, even the Ninja Turtles have evolved several times since mm-hmm. then, to the point where I, I don't even think... I, I almost barely think their origin story is relevant to who they are now. With regard to influence... Uh, there's a lot of people who have been very much influenced by Todd McFarlane, not only from an artistic standpoint, but from a business perspective as well. Um, and I don't know how many folks in the industry are as inspired by Dave Sim. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who are. I'm not trying to sound off with a hot take here, but I, I think in every tangible way, Todd McFarlane's spawn is more influential to the larger zeitgeist than than Cerberus the Aardvark is. Yeah, quite frankly, I, like I, I I get where Matt's coming from, and I appreciate the question for sure. But I'm not so I'm not I I don't really think it's a comparison. Spawn changed the entire landscape of 1990s comic books in a way no one else did. Spawn is synonymous with 1990s comics yep absolutely uh so again thank you very much for the question matt um um i i uh butchered that whole uh educational bit but genuinely i i will be looking into this more um i am actually very interested to have that conversation so um i don't know this might not be the end of that conversation yeah, same. After like looking it up, it's something that I was definitely interested in. Well, now that those two are interested in it, I have no interest in it. And now that now that you have no interest in it, I also have no interest. Hell in yeah, it. dude! <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We did also have one more piece of mail um, from uh, you- <laughs> from YouTube um, on uh, episode uh, one hundred and nine. Our our. Uh, episode i don't know why you guys are laughing this is no. it's a piece of mail yeah please um it's our episode should comics whitewash history uh we got a comment from uh well i'm not gonna say the name uh but why so not? I, i'll i'll just read the the mail it says uh hi kale it's finn your cousin oh <laughs> for, for some reason i read that in, in like an, an english accent like, hi kale it's finn your cousin that's what well, people in england not, sound like that's not an english like, accent <laughs> Um, uh, now, how 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 old is your cousin roughly? Uh, so he's ten. Okay, and oh, okay. Why awesome. why was your cousin uh, listening to the show out of curiosity? Uh, well, I you got me, pal. Um, I live in a different country, so you can't blame this on me. Now, how much do you swear in that episode? On um, that that might actually be a a good episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but Mom, uh, Finn. What? Mom, what does fuck mean? Uncle Kale keeps saying oh, it. Oh, God. He's trying like, hey, to deliver a message to his cousin. Hold on. Listen. Kid's an Everton fan. He knows what fuck means. <laughs> uh, Finn, be a good boy. Stop listening to this show. It's trash. Eat your vegetables. And uh, between you and me, don't turn into a shitty teenager like your brother. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Hulk Hogan Kale over here. Eat your vitamins, brother! H-H. <laughs> but stop listening to this show. Hang up the phone right now. All right. 
Let's do some pals pulls. Uh, let's continue Kale uh, speaking a lot by having him talk about his poll for the week, Superior Spider-Man number one. It's Superior Spider-Man, so I'm going to pick it up. That's all I got. Jesus Christ. Can you talk about the creative team? Something? <laughs> Jesus. No. Who's, on, who's on it? What? what do you mean who's on it? It's your poll. I, 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 I told you why I'm picking it up. It's Superior Spider-Man. I don't care uh, who's on it. I'm um, picking it up. I'm, right. looking at, I'm looking at the ratings. Is it, is it right Solid now. and Ahmed on this one? No, nope. Solid and Ahmed's not on this one. This is uh, this is Christos Gage and Mike Hawthorne. This is a Spider Geddon tie-in. Uh, if you're oh, a fan so of Superior, be, it's definitely worth picking up. Shit, Kale, please. <laughs> <laughs> First you suck at promoing the book, then I'm promoing it, and you're talking under me. Holy shit. Uh, I think, I, I believe the term is talking over you. You were talking under me because you cannot talk over me. I'm gonna over talk over me. you right now. It's impossible for you to speak over me because I've got the better voice. Now, uh, <laughs> Superior Spider-Man has gone through some changes. Uh, if you missed out on the end of Dan Slott's Since run... Since when are we promoing these books in the first place? We always talk a little bit about them. No, we don't. You fucking... In fact, I'm going to do that right now with my poll. Uh, my poll is X-Force number one. It's a shame uh, nobody wants to hear this Ed garbage. Shut and the hell Dylan up! Burnett. Yes, please shut up. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this because um, Ed Brisson has been killing it with uh, his X-Men stuff lately and Extermination just ended and X-Force played a really big role in that so I can't wait to see them reforming um, because uh, they've got some business to wrap up with the murderer of Cable so gonna be picking that up slow week though right Marco it's a week before Christmas yeah, always like that. No, very, it's, very slow it's week. the week. Yeah, the week of Christmas. The week uh, of Christmas. Yeah. yeah, who's who's going to the comic book store on the twenty sixth? This guy with comic book store gift cards. All right. Dun, dun. Oh, Is that what you were you gifted that? That's well, I don't know. It's Christmas. It's Christmas now. I don't know what I got. Was probably that well. I, I know that's a rich tradition where you are, Kale, on Boxing Day to go to your local comic book store, and then we eat Chinese, <laughs> we eat Chinese food, and then we watch kung fu movies. I was what we do in my it's house. Pretty chill. I want Chinese food right now. Yeah, back to you, Sean. I, uh, yeah, thank I just, you. I just had some. Had some so, duck. Speaking of uh, influential indie comics, uh, let's talk about the Hellboy trailer. So the film trailer came out uh, this week. It actually leaked. Um, it was it leaked. I think a day before or a couple days before. And didn't and, it leak um, at Comic Con too? Well, that, I don't think that was a leak. That was like they deliberately showed it. Um, Just they, to the audience of the people at the panel. Exactly. Yeah, but I but I think the audience leaked it. Oh, maybe they did. Maybe. I, do I feel not like call. that's what I read. I vaguely remember that, but that's probably true. Uh, Kale is right. Uh, the, the, te- the original teaser from New York Comic Con did get pirated and uh, come out online, but uh, that got dealt with pretty fast. Um so, what do you guys think of this trailer? There's a lot of uh, a lot of controversy, not not controversy, but a lot of people upset because it's David Harbor. They got rid of the original team. So, uh, what do you guys make of this? So, this this trailer is getting a lot of negative press on the internet, and uh, I didn't watch it until a half hour ago or so. Um, I really didn't think it was that bad of a trailer or a teaser or whatever you want to call it. Um, the music choice 
felt really uh, <laughs> felt really uh, like an odd contrast to what was happening in the teaser. Uh, didn't seem like it yeah. fit. I'll say that. Uh, but as for David Arbor, I thought he was totally fine. Uh, I really like him as an actor. He's great in Stranger Things. I th- yeah, he's the least offensive thing about that. He, as an actor, is the least offensive thing about the trailer. I, I, don't, think. Th- I don't think Hellboy himself is bad in that trailer either. Um, I I don't think that costume looks good at all. I I, th- I think it looks real bad. It was. I think visually, it was. It wasn't that like, too bad. I, I from from what I've seen of art from Hellboy, like uh, obviously it's difficult to translate sort of that into actual film. So like. I uh, I think aesthetically it kind of worked. I I think the the tone was a little odd yeah. because I was trying to figure out what if is it was the tone? serious. Yeah, like what is the tone essentially, and and I think that didn't come across that great. That's my main beef with it. Uh, otherwise, I think it's hard to really uh, draw any conclusion based off this teaser. Frankly, ah uh, man, I don't know. I wholly disagree. <laughs> I think uh, as far as Marco's point point about um a hellboy that looks like hellboy man i'm sorry ron perlman fucking had that um in in the first two um david harbour's hellboy has and i didn't realize this was a problem but has hellboy's hair down instead of like pulled up into a ponytail and man i i didn't know how much i hated it till i saw it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, the tonally, this movie is fucking all over the place. Um, it seems like it's an origin story with how he finds the BPRD, and that just in terms of being a Hellboy adaptation, it is wildly off base if that's what they're going with. Um, I, I. I have a feeling he'll be like rediscovering the organization. Um, so that you know, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about that point. But yeah, this this trailer just <laughs> I did not like it. I I agree. I um I don't have a connection at all to Hellboy, so. I don't really know about the consistency with the comic book plot and all that stuff. I can only go by, you know, the the actual just the, the trailer. I haven't even seen the other Hellboy movies. Oh, really? And yeah, I have not seen any of anything Hellboy. I've never seen anything Hellboy except one time I did read a f- like a, a mini series that um, I guess Mike Mignola put out um, a few years ago, and it was pretty good. But it, you know, it's, it's so so late in the game that it probably has nothing to do with this. I thought this was awful. I thought this was trying to ape the Guardians of the Galaxy style heavily. Hard. Um, And it just doesn't seem to jive. I don't know what Hellboy's supposed to be like, but it doesn't seem like he's supposed to be like this, just because it it doesn't visually mesh. Like, it just... The music with what's happening is just off. Um... It was too jokey, but nothing landed at all. I actually didn't find anything that was in this trailer funny. Um, the only thing that I liked about it, quite frankly, was uh, Daniel Day Kim. I really like him as an actor, and I was glad to see him in a movie. And I, I don't mind the way Hellboy looked. I thought Hellboy looked fine. Um, but, but yeah, that's it, though. I really didn't care for it. 
yeah it's like the the cast is the only good thing about this movie so far like Uh, i'm I'm reserving judgment here i uh i wasn't as turned off i thought it was totally inconsistent that's for sure but uh listen i'm gonna only say this once it could be good i don't think you'll say that once (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i was honestly looking forward to this because I, th- I figured, ah, oh, you know, maybe we'll see it. Um, I kind of want to get into Hellboy. I want a reason to get excited for that character. And this this just was not that at all. A lot of people give uh, the first two films a lot of shit, but... Do they? I is think that a thing? It, it, yeah, I think it is. The first um, one, people the, like a lot. Yeah, the second one, they don't, though. <laughs> um, I think, personally, I, I like them both. Um, and I think... Uh, I think if you want like that Hellboy feel, I I do think it accomplishes it, but in the way that's it's 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 very like Fantastic Four X Men. Oh no! I I think the original. I think we should watch it sometime as a group. In that way, that's like you know uh, we're we're a little bit like the studio is more embarrassed than the creators behind the movie are. I don't. I think Guillermo del Toro's first Hellboy movie is very good and I think we should watch it did you so you didn't listen to anything I just said yeah because you're wrong <laughs> I said the studio uh, like who who did those movies do you know uh, was it nope. Fox or Sony neither I don't think now you gotta make me look um, no no Del Toro is a huge fan of Hellboy I think I think he is the the choice for uh, Hellboy films um, he, he had a third one he wanted to do. It just never happened. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the problem with this this film is going to be falling into another company's hands. We'll see. It, uh, it was Columbia Pictures. Oh, yeah. Even worse. We weren't super hot on it. but uh, and, and to be honest, I haven't seen a ton of people really happy with the trailer online but trailers can be deceiving sometimes a movie looks really good based on a trailer and sometimes they look bad <laughs> still whatever that's the movie that i really like <laughs> um but uh who knows it's, it's out soon though it's not not uh not too far away at a- all it's, april uh, it is coming out let me let me let me see here it's coming out april 12th so we have a book club coming out uh, regarding Hellboy in January. That is dropping the last week of January. So coming soon. Awesome. So some sad news to report. Uh, well, maybe not, but uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Paper Girls is coming to an end this July. Is there a specific reason? Uh, not to my knowledge. The solicitation came out and it says that uh, issue 30 will be the last issue. Uh Paper Girls 26 basically says uh, that the solicitation says the countdown to the series finale starts here. So uh, then I don't feel bad about it. It's going to reach its natural conclusion. Yeah, it, it feels like it's been wrapping up for, for a little bit. So like everything's starting to fall into place and like tie together. So I think uh, I, I'm excited to see how it ends because it's been a very interesting ride. Um, and one that I want to see sort of how he, he sticks the landing. I read the first 12 or 14 issues, I forget, 
Uh, it's a really good book. Uh, maybe now's a good time to jump on if you haven't read it before because uh, it's coming to an end. But um, this is, to me, this is like one of those benchmark, you know, 2010 image books uh, that have really kind of rejuvenated the indie scene of the of uh, this genre. You know. Yeah, this is one of those books that I I, I started with and I was hot on, and then I. I don't know. I jumped off. Um, For me, the the hype train on this book like was out of control when the first trade came out. So I I I dropped it because I I I always find that, and I think we've talked about this before, especially early on. I think the uh, the hype train on this last round of big like image number ones uh, really just drove them to the ground. Um, and so the, um, I dropped it. I was not going ho about it. So I'm, now that it's ending, I'm, I'm kind of excited to sit down and read the whole thing. I think the, the beginning definitely sort of takes you for a bit of a loop. Uh, I, I know a lot of people fell off like after the first, maybe two, three arcs, just cause nothing was fitting together. Nothing was kind of making sense. Uh, and honestly, it didn't start until maybe like that fourth, like that fourth arc, and it starts to pay off. So I think jumping onto it now is definitely worth it. This this book, iron, uh, interestingly enough, rather, uh, this has been a benchmark Christmas present for me to give to friends of mine to try to get them into comics for like three years. Sure. So, so you bought- just haven't gotten in. Haven't gotten anybody into comics for the past three years. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it worked. One of my friends, uh, she loves comics, um, but doesn't always know what to read. And this was one of the books that really, really gripped her. Uh, I I had, every, I have every issue, even though I'm not reading them like i still buy them because I, I i think i'm gonna you know jump on it again at some point and um she she ate them up like she read every single one and uh, she really really enjoyed it so i like it for that i'm glad for that i just i my interest waned so that's interesting i i i, I wouldn't think this is a book to get like give someone who's like getting into comics or something yeah um i wouldn't say she's getting into comics it's just that she she likes them she enjoys oh, she just them. doesn't know what's like what's like to pick off the shelf. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. She goes oh, to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If she reads, then then totally. But like for a starter book, I don't know that this is like a recommendation. Right. I don't even think I would start a Brian K. Vaughn fan with Paper Girls. Well, you know what, guys? You're out of your minds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> says says the dude that's in a in the silhouette of a of a uh oh, uh an anonymous victim of like a. A serial killer documentary. Great audio joke, Kale. Anyway, uh, everyone. <laughs> what I love, what I love too about that joke, since we're gonna dissect it, is that he said an anonymous victim of a serial killer. Now, <laughs> excuse me, but I think if you're a victim of a serial killer, you can't listen, be listen, in hold a on. documentary. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There are two types of victims. There are the ones that make it, and the ones that don't. <laughs> well, if you if you dealt with a serial killer, I think you didn't make it. You'd be a survivor. You'd hope. <laughs> yeah, you'd exactly. hope that you make it. You would be a survivor, not a victim, genius. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Go no. <laughs> <laughs> on, Pete. He's Shem Kill. <laughs> <laughs>
yes, that's great. You know what? You're right. I'm coming on too hot today. <laughs> uh, you know what, Pete? You're right. I apologize. <laughs> oh. For what it's worth, everyone I gave that book to liked it a lot. Good. <laughs> They're lying to your face. <laughs> Let's move along. No, no, uh, I, we can't. I'm a victim <laughs> of a serial killer. <laughs> All right, but I'm not, so I'm moving on. <laughs> so we just had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse come out, and obviously that movie has done incredible, and everybody loves it. Uh, one of the best performing um, mo- Spider-Man movies, and certainly in terms of, of the reaction, one of the best performing ever. Um, so Amy Pascal, who is a chief over at Sony, has of course been doing the rounds, and speaking about this film. And one of the questions that she was recently asked was about the contract with Marvel and whether or not she wants it to continue. Um, So she said the following. I think about crying. I can only hope for a future where things work out. I've known Kevin Feige since he was Avi Arad's very, very quiet assistant who for many years sat in that room listening to us and being so much smarter than any of us without any of us realizing I will say that working with Marvel has been one of the highlights of my professional career. So that was during an interview with Vanity Fair. So she didn't say much. She says she wants it to continue, which is a good sign. But uh, there's two, two wrinkles to this that I think are important and worth pulling out. So the first is that I don't believe what she said for one second. Uh, I, I don't believe that she actually does want it to continue, and I don't see a reason why she would want it to continue, quite frankly. Um, when you look at the success of Venom and the success of, of Spider-Verse, having Spider-Man uh, accessible for a live-action film is all they need at this point. Do you guys disagree with that? I, I agree. I think uh, I, I just like it's hard with these super, super business types, you know, these executives you know, they're sure they're gonna, you know, say they're gonna save face, you know, for the fans. But yeah, there's there's no way she gives a shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it rejuvenated Spider Man on film for sure, and it's been a huge boon for them. But I don't think that I don't think it I don't think it stays beneficial for Sony to not have Spider Man. Yeah, listen, Sony Sony's already got themselves nice and set up here. They have Into the Spider-Verse, which every single person and their mother loves. Hell, it might win an Academy Award. That would be the first superhero movie to ever win an Academy Award, I'm pretty sure. Two, they released the greatest superhero movie ever made this year. Venom. They are in a, situ- they're in a spot where thanks to Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, uh, Avengers 1, or the uh, Infinity War 1, I mean. They're in a spot where if that deal collapses and they're able to keep making Sony movies without Disney's influence, they're just going to be <laughs> they're going to be raking in the cash. They they were able to make up for the sins of the uh, Andrew Garfield movies. Another th- another thing that bothers me is the way she was like, "Oh, little Kevin Feige, he just sat in the corner of the room and everybody <laughs> hated him." It, well, it's funny that you should say that, Kale, because. Uh... A few few months ago, we did an episode where we kind of broke down the relationship between Sony and and, and Marvel, and Kevin Feige, uh, you know, as she said, she, he used to work with all of them, and Avi Arad does not like him anymore. Um, 
Avi Arad notoriously plays hardball because he is upset with how successful Marvel has been and how he feels ousted and and not, you know, like they didn't really um, do right by him. So why would why would someone who dislikes why would you say that if you know the relationship between Avi and Kevin Feige? Why would you even mention them in the same sentence? And and just like <laughs> the fact that it was just like she says literally you in that sentence you said we just he used to just sit there and we would ignore him. It's <laughs> <laughs> baffling to me. It just makes her look kind of silly, to be honest. Um, they they lucked into these two movies, and it's just like, okay, yeah, like, all right, you got you got a couple of lucky ones. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't know, um, but but the other thing that I think is worth worth mentioning is that, um, or really worth asking you guys, is do you want the the relationship between Marvel and Sony to continue? I think for like variety and maybe to also just like be able to hold something against Disney at this point. Yeah. I don't want Disney to have probably, everything. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think, I think that makes sense from, from just making sure that they can, so someone has whatever amount of check they can on, on Disney, but also, you know, if they're going to keep integrating into the, the MCU, it's just going to be sort of that, universe that overshadows everything else and and i think if there's something different on like another offering like as much as we were shitting on on like venom shitting on what the fuck we are you had talking a about? fun well we we, <laughs> we had a fun time we had a fun time with the movie you, and, you mean <laughs> shitting on for the past two years you and, mean like we still had a fun time with it i think even from that standpoint there's a little bit of value there but definitely to hold something like to hold disney's balls too in whatever capacity. Oh man. my! Thank you, Pete. Dude, I know you're a giant Marvel fanboy, and you want Marvel to have so uh, have Spider-Man. And, but listen, you have a Sony tattoo on your body. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I'm with Marco. Pete's wrong. Uh, I like having a little uh, diversity options here of uh, what you could do with superhero characters. And without Sony, we wouldn't have Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, there's no way Disney would have done Into the Spider-Verse. Or the most influential film of all time, Venom. That's right. That's all I need. More influential than service. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I read a tweet. I don't remember who it was from. Probably from no one that I'm connected to. That said, um, Into the Spider-Verse is the best case for why Marvel should not have the rights to all the characters. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good point. It's a better point than a lot of other times where people say stuff like that, like um, with their with uh, Deadpool. Um, it, it's a good point. I personally don't care about that point. I, I still want what I want, um, which is for Marvel to have it all. But I guess I don't really, I don't really mind the relationship specifically between Sony and Marvel because Marvel seems to be able to do with Spider-Man what they please, and Sony can do what they please as well. Uh, what I wouldn't necessarily care for, at least I don't think I would, is Spider-Man's appearance in Sony's produced films. Because I really don't think that they have displayed an ability to use a live-action version of that character properly. What are you talking about? The best Spider-Man movies ever were made by Sony. Spider-Man wanted to blow out Homecoming by like a fucking country mile. 
I completely disagree with that point. And that was also that was also almost that, that's, fifteen that's years the only ago. Fair point. Now. Yeah. No, I, I think even 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 the first thing you said <laughs> is ridiculous because those movies are very aged and they don't represent Spider-Man well at all. In fact, I don't think they represent most of their characters well. That Dr. Octopus was not Dr. Octopus. It was a great <laughs> character, but it wasn't Dr. Octopus. That was uh, my Dr. Octopus. No, you, can, you can disagree with it if you want to, but I'm correct. That that Dr. <laughs> Octopus in that movie has nothing to do with the comic book version of the character. He's more like the Ultimate version. He's more like none of the versions. What are you talking about? He is... More sympathetic than Otto Octavius in Universe 616. The ultimate version of Doc Ock is a douchebag. Listen, here's... Shut up. Here's what I want. I want Alfred Molina and Marissa Tomei to hook up, and I want Tom Holland to have feelings about it, and Um, that's it. All right? So can we just shut up a second? So back to the point that I was making before Kale hijacked the show, uh... I I I think all of those movies are very flawed, especially when you look at them through the current day lens. Um, Homecoming, I believe, is a fantastic movie. But if you disagree with that, uh, the the fact that it it does stick so close, at least in Peter's character, to the comics, is one of the best parts about it. So I I'm I don't think that Sony knows what to do with Spider Man as a character. And when you look at their more recent films, it's very clear that they don't. The the Amazing Spider-Man movies are pretty bad. Ah, the first one wasn't that bad. <laughs> I walked out. I walked out of that movie making that fun of it for an hour. Yeah, but you don't like anything. It's just because so I don't like up. you doesn't mean I don't like anything. I like Sean. Thanks. Oh uh, yes, it does. Thanks, I appreciate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you like Marco? Uh, I nah. could take or leave him. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Do you like Pete? Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! You asked me that question when I had my phone <laughs> down. Wait, but do you? But do you like Pete? Just answer the question, please. Huh? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it took so long. <laughs> yeah, he's fine uh, from a distance. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, like, 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 if I'm in a lighthouse, I kind of like him. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, Marvel is receiving some backlash over uh, some stuff that they did in the recently dropped Uncanny X-Men number 5. A Hindu organization is very upset with the way that they were depicted in the comic. So this is a little bit of a weird one. Um, So the Universal Society of Hinduism is mad because in the book, spoilers... It, it is a it is a relatively new issue. So if you if you die hard and don't want to know what's going on, you don't want to skip past this. We've got the time codes. Um, in the in the issue, X Man uh, decides that he doesn't want religion anymore because he feels like it is something that divides humanity, and so he gets rid of everything that divides humanity. And in the book, they showcase. Uh, a Hindu temple in a in a it's in a place that I I cannot pronounce. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to try. Uh, Kale, do you want to try? Yeah, maybe Kale should try. No, but you're really no. good at pronouncing things. Here it is. Here it is. I'm putting it in the hangout. Give it a whirl. Give but it a I whirl. Don't fucking want to. 
Go for it. Good God. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Finn, close your ears. Thruvananthapuram. All right. <laughs> that that harsh fucking American tongue. Thruv. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get sued by this Hindu organization now. <laughs> uh, so uh, sorry to anyone who's Hindu and, and might be offended by that bit. Um, but I don't think they'd, I don't think they'd be offended as much as they'd be like, God, put Kale out of his misery. <laughs> so, uh, they, like I said, they were very mad because he refers, X-Man does, refers to um, this and other religions as fake houses of worship. And he erases them. They disappear. And so, um, Rajan Zed, who is the president of the Universal Society of Hinduism, who has a name that sounds like it belongs in a comic book, uh, released a very long statement about why they're mad. Um, I'll read just a little bit. Hinduism was the oldest and third largest religion of the world with about 1.1 billion adherents and a rich philo- philosophical thought, and it should not be taken frivolously. Symbols of any faith, larger or smaller, should not be mishandled, Rajan Zen noted. Besides hurting the sentiments, such m- misrepresentation created confusion among non-Hindus about Hinduism. And sensitive handling of faith tradition sometimes results resulted in pillaging serious spiritual doctrines and revered symbols. Comics publishers should be more sensitive while handling faith-related subjects, as these being a powerful medium left lasting impact on the unsuspecting minds of highly impressionable children, teens, and other young people. Uh, he also urged Marvel to immediately issue an apology for hurting the sentiments of Hindu devotees and publish it prominently on its website. So before I let you guys chime in, there is one little wrinkle that I want to add, which is that in the book, X-Man actually uh, targets all religions. Well, not you don't see all of them, but you definitely see um, St. Peter's Basila or Baskula in Vatican Basilica. Basilica. Basilica, thank you. In Vatican City and the Kaaba and Mecca. So it's not a t- specifically targeting Hindu. Uh, but what do you guys think about this? If I've learned anything about uh, harassment in the workplace, if you do it to everybody, it's not technically harassment. You're just a bad person. <laughs> what the hell? Excuse me? So as long as, he tar- as long as he targeted every religion, it's fine because he wasn't pinpointing one religion. Man, we need to fire our HR person. This is clearly not working. <laughs> no, th- this is legit HR. Yeah, no, listen. If you target everybody, it's not it's not hate. It's uh, it's just like an ongoing problem with the person. Yeah, and, and now is a good time as any to bring it up, I guess, around the Comics Pals office. Marco harasses all of us, and we all yep. hate him for it. And it sucks. <laughs> it's not funny. You're just They're- a little turd. There are so many problems with that. He goes, this is legit HR. <laughs> it is. These are policies that we abide by. The problem is you say it every time you fuck with us. He goes, this is legit HR. Kale, your religion is stupid. Yeah, every time he puts my jello, uh, my sapler in a like thing of jello, he's like, this is legit HR. And he scams off. <laughs> Uh, any thoughts on the actual story here? I think, you know, I think, I think that 
the thing about it <laughs> is that, you know, the character straight up says, you know, these are fake houses of worship. And that sentence is, like, very problematic, you know, when you, like, look at it. Uh, I think I do think it's interesting that so like it seems like the only people coming to this issue are you know is this Hindu foundation I think that's really interesting yeah I don't know yeah this seems like a another weird X-Men problem uh it's unfortunate that they're upset and I don't want to trivialize how they feel although I don't think that Marvel publishing this was an issue because they weren't targeting anyone specifically and at the end of the day it's just a fictional story about a guy who did a bad thing right like these are these are drawings uh not targeting anyone specifically it was a panel right uh if Marvel wants to issue an apology I don't think there's anything wrong with that either but I also don't think they should change anything here either because I don't think they did anything outright wrong either. I mean, I I, I think that's a very sh- uh, short-sighted response to that um, because I think, uh, like, art has meaning. Right. Um, and the dude, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but the dude attacks... These buildings, no St. Peter's Basilica. I think they just disappear. They just disappear. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's not better. I guess it is better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like the point being, how do you you know how in real life would you make a building disappear? Like what? I think you know in real life you can't make buildings disappear. Dog, you never heard of? A- oh man, don't make me say it. <laughs> it's not like that. No, but. In real life, it could be. No, it's, th- and it's I think different. That's a jump. That's a jump, Kale. No, it isn't. No, yes, come on. it is. How you, do you can't compare a- X Men to anything that exists in real life because the point is a terror. A terrorist. He's not be. He's not a terrorist. And also on top of that, he's making them disappear. It's a harmless act. Well, no one is harmed by this act. All the people on Earth that believe in religion are harmed. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that their physical bodies are not harmed. You can't compare something like that to the senseless violence that kills thousands of people every millions of people. Yeah, you can't. There's no comparison. I haven't read the book. What I'm addressing is their problem, and I can see how it would be a problem. And I think, I think, just saying, "Ah, I don't think it's a problem. They're just, it's just art, right? Like, no art can be used as a weapon it can be used as a political statement i'm not saying i'm not saying that's what this is but i'm saying it can be and i think it's i'm saying i'm saying it's short-sighted to say that i'm not trying to say that how they feel is inadequate i'm not trying to trivialize how they feel and i'm saying it's totally fine for marvel to issue an apology if because at the end of the day they did upset people right like to me that's totally that's totally apt and I don't want to remove anything from that but I'm saying I don't think Marvel has to censor anything here either because I don't think they depicted anything outright offensive uh, to a point where they should change future publications of this issue hey I'm willing to go one step further on this issue um, 
I think it's 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 about time people stop demanding apologies every second. Um, this 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 book doesn't it's not trying to harm anyone. You can tell intent. Uh, X Man is you know it's too early to say whether he's a villain or not or whatever. But this is his perspective, and he has the power to do it. So that's what he does. He's not doing it towards these people specifically. He's targeting every religion. That's the whole point of the book. And if you're offended by that, I'm not here to tell you you can't be, but I am here to say that Marvel shouldn't kowtow to the demand for an apology because at the end of the day, they have every right to tell stories. And at some point, when you apologize for every single thing, well, now you can't tell any kind of stories. Why are people more upset about this than crazy murder that happens in every Marvel comic. I think, to me, that's more offensive. Frankly, this is legit HR. (laughs) Marco, what's your take here, man? Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I don't think that this was inherently wrong because of the way that it uh, targeted multiple religions. And even even then, it's a sort of perspective that, uh, I mean, to, to Kale's point, it can impact people. And it obviously did, but to what Phil was saying, I don't think it's something that they necessarily need to censor or apologize for because at the end of the day, the harm that was done was done to a collective concept of an ideology versus the individual ideologies. Let's talk about Titans. So Titans season one has officially come to an end. uh, And it's actually a really great story. And I want to talk a little bit about that before we go into the news here. Um, so before Titans came out, everybody was hating on it. You know, we, we dunked on it hard on the show. Fuck Batman. Right. Um, people thought that it was, you know, uh, hyper edgy and, um, you know, not really depicting these characters in a proper light. Um, since then, I think the tide has really turned in favor of this show. I actually watched it. I watched. Wow. It's not bad. Shit, hot yeah, damn. I watched about half of it and um I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really did. Wow. Marco, I know you've been following it too, right? Yeah, it's uh honestly it surprised me because like uh I it was consistently like I want to watch the next episode and, and find out what happens. Especially I think after the like the second episode, Hawk and Dove. After that, I think it was like I was definitely into it. Yeah, nothing that people complained about, and and by the way, I don't say people to mean people other than us or other than me, because we were all on that, but nothing that we complained about prior to the show releasing uh, did I have a problem with while actually watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not a I, single I, thing. One of, the, one of the big things we were, was like the costumes and like the designs of, of each one, but I think after you sort of see it in in context which is something that we, we had been talking about i think it works a lot better um and, and even the the reconceptualization of each character like raven and um starfire it's weird to get used to at the beginning but i think after a while it just kind of it grows on you um and it serves the story too so it just it makes sense absolutely um so i i would encourage anyone who's curious about the show to give it a chance because I, I'm pretty sure you'll be pleasantly surprised. But what, what, what about Kale? Because he's such a huge Teen Titans fan historically. Like he likes Young Justice. He likes those kind of teenage superhero books. <clears throat> my my plan was to watch it, um, but 
uh, I was working on the, um, I live in Central Europe, so um, I, my plan was to watch it the way I was watching Riverdale um, and uh, have it come on Netflix. And, and my Netflix promised as such um, that it would be on the same week um, that the episodes premiered uh, on the app. Uh, but it just never happened. That sucks. I, I I haven't seen it. Yeah, I might uh, I might figure out a, a situation to bogard uh, Marco's password because uh, <laughs> Young Justice is coming out soon, and I really really want to see that. Oh, then then all that means is I can hold something over you. Power. Legit HR. This is power. <laughs> Legit HR. <laughs> so we did get a post credit scene actually. Um, for a, a, a teaser for season two. Now, there's a major teaser. So again, if you really, really care about spoilers, you're not going to want to hear this. It doesn't spoil anything that happens in the actual show. It's just a post credit scene. Um, so we're giving you the way out right now. Um, if you want out, now's the time. Use the time code to jump ahead. So yeah, Dark Side teams up with Vandal Savage, huh? Okay. Uh, so Doug, that's the end of Young Justice season two. What we actually get is a minute long scene that takes place in Cadmus that basically showcases a naked man, uh, a la Terminator, walking through and beating up Cadmus employees. Uh, we also see a dog in a, in a some kind of high tech cage. And then we learn that the dog has red glowing eyes and the guy's got a tattoo of Superman on his arm. And that is Superboy and uh, Crypto being teased for season two. I'm ready for Crypto. I can't believe I, I, I said this earlier. I saw an Aunt May, an Aunt May Lego figure in a Spider-Man box at a toy store today. I can't believe we're about to get Crypto on TV. This is fucking wild. Boy, that's not what I thought you were going to say. You never watched the Crypto the Superdog? The Crypto Superdog animated show? That was so long ago, though. That was my jam. Uh, honestly, one of the few... Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> really? This is cool. This, this is this is interesting, one, because I actually have a connection to Crypto specifically because of this show. So like, I'm actually excited that he came on. Um, when, when I saw it, I was like, oh, dope! Like... It, it it brought something back from like my childhood, um, so I, I'm excited more so for that than Superboy. Really, crypto crypto came out in like 2004, and it was like on daytime television for kids who weren't in school yet. That was your jam, dude. Yeah, All right. yeah, dude. All right. Look, it was a it was a fun show, man. All right, yeah, fun shit. Okay, uh, I like I like Superboy a lot actually. Uh, he's been kind of underutilized for like a decade. Uh. The only thing that he's really been featured in any prominence in uh, is the aforementioned Young Justice cartoon show. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, I like that he's being utilized. I don't know if I'm going to watch this TV show, but it's still pretty cool. I, I, th- I think the this show has something for you, Phil. What's that? What does it have for me? It's Doom Patrol. Listen, wait, are they actually in that show? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that was, that was going to be the next topic. Uh, so... The Superboy trailer or teaser, rather, is cool, but um, we, as Netflix often did, accompanying the end of this, you know, we did get the the trailer for Doom Patrol, uh, and they did appear in Titans, 
And that was actually the first time that I've seen Doom Patrol in any form of media at all, because I've never seen them in a comic book either. Oh, wow. What? And it was actually really cool. Like, yeah, I really, really liked it. And so then we did get this teaser. Uh, and the, the biggest thing that people are talking about with this teaser is that Cyborg is in this. Right. He's not in the Doom Patrol. Beast Boy is. Yeah. So that's really, really weird and, and kind of shocking. But other than that, what did you guys make of this little teaser? It's very short. That was amazing. I watched that and with a jaw, <laughs> a gap, and I was like, this is awesome. I had the tiny Tim tiptoe through the flowers or whatever, and they're all in a row holding each other by the waist, like a cheesy old family photo, and I was just here for it. Man, Brendan Fraser as a robot man, that's Wait, was that so was Brendan good. Fraser as robot man? Yeah, dog. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, Timothy Dalton is the chief. Yep. Uh, Which they, they changed. They, they changed his character from the show I from Titans. Know. Yeah, I th- I think so because uh, it wasn't it wasn't him. Surely not. Really? I think so. It like, was that, that wasn't that long ago, guys. It was so weird that little teaser, and I was I loved everything about it. I love seeing Negative Man and Robot Man look very weird. It's just I'm here for it. I think yeah, I I, I think they're a, a, appealing to that same crowd as uh, the Umbrella Academy trailer, um, and I I think they might get it. Yeah, I mean it looks cool. Uh, they did have that that comfortable in by appearing first in Titans. So if you cared about them in that, um, certainly you'll want to see their exploits continue. Also, Cyborg being a part of it is going to attract people who are a fan of that character who have been awaiting the film, the, the solo film, that aren't getting it anytime soon. So I think there's a lot of reasons to want to watch this. And it's and it's just kooky and quirky enough to be appealing uh, to a certain kind of audience, like Kale said. Uh, but not like- to turn off any kind of audience either. I think because it's like in the the Doom Patrol, like compared to the Doom Patrol, like I think it, it just makes it work. Yeah, I like it. And uh, and um, the so yeah, so Chief was actually Bruno Bichir uh, before, and now Dalton's taking over for the actual series for Doom Patrol. I wonder. I wonder if they were just testing that then the the Doom Patrol uh, 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 situation, you know, to see how people would react to the news and everything before they like actually cast that role all i know is that teaser was the best thing i've seen all week very cool and the show will be debuting on february 15th sick i didn't know that i didn't know dc was gonna be my date this year but i'm here for it <laughs> this if this is the kind of quality that they're putting out uh swamp thing's probably gonna be really uh, good we can move on sean <laughs> <laughs> moving right along uh so this is a quick one just a follow-up to a news story from last week. Last week, we talked about the unfortunate situation with the creator of Border Town, Eric Esquivel, and um, the heinous things that he um, was accused of doing. Um, and uh, obviously, that series is now over as a result. Um, but as it turns out, he was actually going to be joining the team for Nightwing. Uh, with Nightwing 58, it, he was going to co-write. And that was not actually announced by DC, but it was going to be 
involved in March 2019 solicitations, which were supposed to come out on uh, the 20th, so just a few days ago here. Um, but DC, one, go ahead. Is this the one with Rick Grayson? Yeah. It's still in that storyline. Yeah. Ugh. But DC got ahead of that, and they said, please note that Nightwing number 58, soliciting in the January DC previews, will no longer be co-written by Eric Esquivel. Watch for an announcement of the updated writing credits coming soon. Uh, so that's that's good news, right? Um, certainly, he earned this given his behavior and uh, did himself no favors with his response on Twitter Ugh. to everything that's been said. But oh, did he respond? Yeah, he did. Bad. He did respond. It's real bad. I am not interested in giving him any more play. Um, he's digging his own grave, and I think what where we left it last week, um, with everybody's response to the things that he has done, I think that's good enough. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable carrying on. Cynthia Noggle, uh, hopefully is doing fine as a result. She's received a lot of support, and every day more and more comes out that this guy did so he's getting his just desserts and i think we did our job last week but uh just a quick update on the story that he was going to be on nightwing and now won't be um so moving on fuck that guy agreed and that's the comics pals unified message um moving on though to something really exciting actually detective comics number 1000 is on the horizon, and we now know the creative teams that will appear in this book. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, we've got Kevin Smith and Jim Lee. Nice. Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. Eh, no thanks. Uh, Meh. Warren Ellis <laughs> and Becky Cloonan. Yes. Hell yeah. Oh. Paul Dini and Dustin Nguyen. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay. Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. That was the one that got me. Um, Christopher Priest and Neil Adams. Now, yeah, all right. let's pause for a second. Why okay. is Denny O'Neill with Steve Epting and not with Neil Adams? Because, well, I, I don't know if the if Epting's part is a result, but I know that um, the O'Neill story with Epting is a sequel to a story from 1976 called There's No Hope in Crime Alley. Oh. Uh, and then Jeff Johns and Kelly Jones. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh. who Who's Kelly Jones? Uh, he did Batman the Red Rain. Um, oh, yeah. He did uh, like a bunch of, he's a big horror guy, very much a student of Bernie, but like exaggerated cartoony guy. Did he do that, that, uh, that backup in the Swamp Thing? It was like Len Wein's swamp. It yeah, was- he did. He did the the last art. The last thing with uh, Len Wein was with Kelly Jones and the the swamp thing stuff in um, Convergence. And they, there was a six issue arc that they did uh, twenty seventeen. There's a lot of people who who don't like Jeff Johns writing Batman, and uh, I say you can kindly uh, move along. All uh, right. Yeah, I'm not not crazy about Kelly Damn, Jones. Damn. What? But go on. Oh. Oh, he's so good. Right. We've also got Tom King, Tony Daniel, and Joel Jones. Yep, all right. Nice. All right, all right, all right. The ever-present Batman duo, uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Sure. All right. Oh, okay. And if round, I have to. <laughs> rounding it out is James Tinian IV and Alvaro, Alvaro 
Alvaro Martinez. Bless you. Thank you. So, uh, where's Grant? Where's Grant? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great Grant, point. Grant wrote a Superman, didn't he? Action Comics? He did not. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he was. Where's uh, where's Steve Englehart? I don't know. I'll get you on the phone with Dan Didio and you can ask him. <laughs> ring, ring, ring. <laughs> Um, so this is going to be a $10 book uh, and it's going to have a bunch of cool covers bunch of variant covers just like Action Comics did once we get all those I'm sure we'll do our little bit where we talk about the ones that we want to get and you know all that good stuff Um, very exciting yeah I'm here Uh, like I mentioned when this news dropped I want to buy this and add it to my uh, my collection of uh, Action Comics number 1000 when you said Warren Ellis and Becky Cloonan, I went, damn, that's a team I never thought of together, and it sounds fucking amazing. Warren Ellis does not do a lot of stuff with DC either. I know. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing because he's really good. He is very good. All right. Um, I also just want to point out something that I really wish I didn't know. Uh, Marco, while doing the show, is also posting in the lewd Discord server the loot mm-hmm. Discord channel of the Longbox Podcast Discord server. That's what are, awful. What are you posting in there? A, co- uh, a cosplayer. What is wrong with you? Unbelievable. The, it popped that, up on my feed. It's the the confidence in how he answers to that distresses me. Now God. my question, my question to you, Marco, is is posting lewd content in a discord server while you're working legit hr whoa this was like an hour ago okay we've been recording for an hour and change that's fair my 10 year old cousin listens to this show well he can go check out the long box discord no No, he he don't please don't don't no well you told him to tune out so if he's a good kid he listened to you and he's no longer tuned in if he's a good kid we we all know he didn't listen to me all right (laughs) (laughs) if he's a good kid he should be here joining then there it is quite frankly he's probably seen more than what it is that marco posted here uh i agree pete god damn marco you're a deviant so remember how i said I was looking forward to an episode that wouldn't be so loud and noisy. <laughs> I, I have not gotten my wish. <laughs> yeah, Pete. What the hell? The whole crew's here. <laughs> the whole crew's here. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. We, we should throw Speaking you overboard, of Marco. loud and noisy, let's talk about Aquaman. Speaking of loud and noisy. Aquaman is making a splash. Ah. No. A splash. At the box office. (laughs) (laughs) Landed that time. Uh, (laughs) What was that, Sean? It's making a splash. (laughs) 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 Fucking hate this show. (laughs) It's swimming (laughs) toward... $400 $400 million at the box office after two weeks uh, being out. It's only been out here in the States at this current time for one day. Obviously, it did have its preview day, um, and it made $9 million on its preview day. Um, wow. So currently, it's sitting at $345 million total, which is fantastic. Of course, that does not include the total weekend gross for this movie. So it's doing really, really well for itself. 
We'll be doing our review, and you guys will have that in your hands at the same time that this episode is out, so you can stay tuned for that. Um, But just a quick question for you guys before we move on. Is this movie doing about what you expected it to do? Post-seeing it, yes. Before, I thought it might be a little... I thought it might be, like, a little stronger just because of sort of the the reactions we've gotten uh, and the way that it opened in China. But... I think it's about on par after having seen the movie. Okay. I gotta be honest. It was very difficult to find time to see this movie because it's right by Christmas. Uh, I would think that people would not have time to go see this movie right now. That's a good point. Um, that's yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. Uh, it's doing well in comparison to Man of Steel and Justice League, um, which did earn... 668 million and 657 million worldwide over the course of their entire run. So, this movie is very much on track to do very well for itself. I would also bet it's going to get the a Christmas Day bump too. Sure. Get all those American, yeah. you know, uh, families that either don't celebrate Christmas or are tired of their family, so they go to the movie. And uh <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. That's my family. It's, it's a really sad picture. Um, That's good. But I, yeah, I bet it. I bet it gets uh, quite a bump after that too. Very possible. In honor of Aquaman, we're going to be reviewing the latest issue of the book. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Aquaman number forty-three. This is Kelly Sue DeConnick's debut on it so we're going to talk about that here in just a moment and if you want more uh aquaman comics reading uh you can check out our book club all right so uh aquaman number 43 um very anticipated this is the last i believe the last of the new debuts for some of the top tier creators we talked about on the big justice league books uh kelly sue i think is the last to jump on and um one of the more interesting things, uh, just as a note to start, is that this is not issue one. This is issue 43. And so they didn't give her a new number one, which I'm kind of surprised by. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, so the creative team is Kelly Sue DeConnick. And then on art, we've got Robson Rocha. And then on inks, we've got Daniel Henriquez. And Sonny Cho's on colors, Clayton Cowles on letters, who is a phenomenal uh, letterer. He does a great job, as always. Um, so what did you guys think of this book? It felt very uh, Pretty Deadly. Haven't read it. Okay, so Pretty Deadly is, it's sort of, um, it's sort of like, it's Sandman-esque in that it's sort of, I, I would almost call it ethereal. Yeah, you know it's kind of a it's a western on like a the events happen on Earth, but it sort of happens on another plane. Um, this felt a lot like that to me, and and I th- I think part of that might have been the dead rabbit you see on the first page, but uh, it just yeah the the stuff that happened in this issue felt very um separate, I think from everything else they allude to this larger story and uh it i was kind of trying to figure out like where 
everyone was, and but it was really just the only character that we sort of recognize here is Aquaman, but he's not even technically Arthur either. So it was it was an interesting start, and I think Kale to your point on on Pretty Deadly. I think even the um the woman right she she was very familiar uh in terms of like one of the main characters in Pretty Deadly. Cat Callie. Like I think Kaylee. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sean, were you up to date with this title? No, I'm actually not reading Aquaman currently, so I came in dry. <laughs> my my understanding. Jesus, <laughs> Sean, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> my my understanding of this though is that uh, it spins out of the Justice League Drowned Earth that just finished. Yeah, yeah Drowned Earth. Oh, but it was a it was a crossover. So like, um, since I'm not reading Aquaman, like I don't, I'm not familiar with anything that happened in the proper title. He um he looks like Chris Hemsworth a lot here, didn't he? Um, I guess I guess so. That's yeah. what I, I I just kept kind of reading it with Chris Hemsworth voice, which is weird because I saw Roman Reigns yesterday uh, in the movie theater. Um, I mean that's basically what Aquaman is is wet Thor. <laughs> uh it was it, it was fine i feel like i've seen this kind of plot device many times at this point yeah where it's like the lost hero who has amnesia has to mm-hmm. learn how to be a hero again and that they have special powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men my dog i that's it's not even in comic books that i've seen that plot yeah. happen recently yeah, it's it's pretty pretty pedestrian. Um, this is actually the f- maybe the I don't I don't want to say definitively the first because I don't think that's true. I think I've read maybe something of hers from Captain Marvel, but this is the first book by Kelly Sue DeConnick that I've read knowing who she was. Oh, okay. And the only thing that I, th- I thought was funny is there was a lot of sexual energy between uh, Arthur <laughs> or what, there was what, what they call him in this. They didn't call Andy. Him Arthur. They- Andy. No, uh, uh oh, that was Arousio. Oh, that, that too. too. Yeah, Arousio. And then there was Arousio. with him and with him and Kaylee. And then there's a scene where he like looks in a cup of tea or soup. I forget which specifically, and it's just Mara looking pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> and I was like, "Son, you're about to goof." <laughs> yeah, you you gonna goof, my dude? You gonna goof, my dude? But, but sweetie, I didn't know. Uh, likely story. Yeah, remember what happened last time you had amnesia? I lost my memory, I swear. I I, I gotta say, I really didn't care about this. Just just yeah. just to be honest. Like I thought um I thought coming into this, you know, I expected a first issue that was really gonna set set the table for something really cool and epic and this felt um Pedestrian. But yeah. Yeah, um, it didn't have any kind of flair. I was expect. I, I guess I don't know what I was expecting. Like I said, I've never read anything by her, so I came in the best way you possibly could with no, yeah, real expectations. Um, just hoping for something good, and um, I didn't really feel that here. I think there's especially with the movie. Um, just having come out, they released it the same week as the movie. You expect that they're going to do something to really hook you to get you to come back, and that's not what happened. The art looked very nice, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It was very. I'm like looking at it right now, and it's just it, like even the colors, everything is very pretty. Yep. Sean, the last page didn't hook you. the The ocean has a plan for you. 
What? I wanted to know so oh, much. Oh, God. That whole thing about like whether or not the ocean feels anything. Like, ah, yeah. Ah. I'm not. I'm not let, me, let me preface this. Uh, I'm not done with the book or anything. This type of issue is one of those types of issues where it's like, uh, nothing happened. I'll read another one to see if something happens. It's, yeah. It, uh, and we've said this before. It's a number one. Like, uh, you know, it's supposed to fill you with more questions than answers. For me, Kelly Sue is the... She she doesn't write with a lot of flair. I don't think. Uh, granted, the I haven't read Bitch Planet. Um, that's a good book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. Um, but pretty deadly for uh in my opinion it wasn't flair that keeps you coming back it's it's sort of i don't know it it's not it's not the pedestrian nature of it because i i don't necessarily think the stuff she writes is it's not a spectacle it's not you know she's not scott snyder she's not like you know jeff johns but there is like a Ah, it's weird to say this about a comic, but there's like a quiet dignity about what she writes. That, that is a weird thing to say. You're right. If that, I, I guess it doesn't make sense, but it's like, it's like it doesn't really need, it doesn't need that stuff to stand and feel good. Uh, so I don't know. For me, yeah, it's a first issue. Um, it gave me enough questions that I'm, uh, willing to uh, pick up the next one yeah i'll, I'll, I'll read another one I, I guess for me like it definitely left me a question but it were they weren't questions i was interested in yep that's fair i i am 100 percent on that same level uh in that uh, aquaman you know we did the book club on aquaman by johns and the key difference there <clears throat> if you're just comparing issue ones is that um it comes in without expecting you to care about Aquaman, the, the the Johns issue. And it gives you sort of the things you need to know about Aquaman and says, this is probably where the run's going to go. It's going to talk to you about who Aquaman is. It's going to delve into his past. It's going gonna, it's gonna to establish an Aquaman that hopefully by the end of this run, you'll care about. That's the contract. And issue ones are supposed to be that. They're supposed to be a contract between you and the reader to establish what you can expect from the run. And if this issue number one is that contract, I don't want to sign. Damn, that's really strong. But you know what? I don't think you're wrong. I, I've, I've said this in, the, in, in previous episodes, but I have really limited time in general. Uh, if you can't hook me on issue one, unfortunately, like nine times out of ten, I'm done. And that's not necessarily a condemnation of the series or the title or a TV show or a movie or an album. It's just... I have other things I can be doing. Sure, I'm willing to give this another 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 issue because I believe there's the potential for it to be good. But I mean, I, I think I honestly think if that next issue doesn't grab me, I'm probably just going to move on to something else. Especially with the fact that there's so many good books coming out right now, especially from TC. Is there an audience that you guys think this might be for? That's a good question. Like I, it's it doesn't seem like it's geared toward the regular readers, right? Like maybe the people who have been following Aquaman, and this is sort of trying to introduce like a different taste or like flavor. But 
yeah, yeah i i don't i don't know who else this would necessarily like be for maybe people who are more indie and like know kelly and and want to jump into this like yeah i think there there's a certain there's a certain sort of reader who digs books that are kind of like i don't know if esoteric is the right word but books that don't really give you everything um books that kind of string you along with ideas and thoughts and visuals that are interesting but don't necessarily um manifest into anything sort of real until later on there are people who are very invested in stuff like that uh but i just don't like that's cool i guess i just don't feel like there was a story here that that i could grab onto now i want to say also it's possible that prior knowledge of what's been going on in aquaman would help but i think about black panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which uh, that book came in a very, very similar situation where he he got the book and he had to deal with what came before with um, with Secret Wars, if you guys will recall. And we reviewed that book pretty well um, because even though he had a lot of baggage to deal with, he dealt with it in a way that didn't feel like you were overwhelmed. You got the idea of what was happening in that book. Uh, and what all the stuff that came before was about without needing to go to Wikipedia. And with this, I have no idea what happened before. The, I, the syntax that I gather is that he bumped his head. He lost his memory somehow and, you know, whatever. But I don't know who any of these other people are and I don't know if I'm supposed to. And that's kind of weird. Uh, just because I, I don't really feel like we've established what actually happened in the book. Oh, so, yeah. It's basically Aquaman waking up on this this island um, with all these people who, again, to my knowledge, are new players in his world. Um, and he spends a lot of his time with this quaint little couple who are older and, you know, um, obviously they've got some secrets. But apparently he's helping them out a little bit um, in, in, in a few different ways, you know, helping them fish, helping them stay out of trouble, um, you know, things of that nature. And... Um, there's a woman there, uh, Callie, I believe her name is, uh, who, you know, it's very difficult to tell what it is that she's actually doing. Um, and uh, then there's a storm that comes and Aquaman saves people and he, he gets saved. And that's kind of it, to be honest. There, there's not a lot to it. Uh, you get the idea that there's more going on. You get the idea that there's a way for Aquaman to reclaim his memory by helping these people, by working with these people, as teased later on in the book. Um, but the idea of having to wait to see him get his memory back isn't that exciting. No. <laughs> no, it isn't, because why would it be? Definitely the weakest of this crop of new uh, creators on these classic characters, I'd say. Yeah, and I part part of I, I partially feel I don't want to say I feel bad for Kelly Sue um, because she's a writer and obviously she's very talented. But I only say that and and I mean it in this way. I wish that the baton had been passed to her where she could have had a cleaner slate because it's very difficult. You know, we've said this many times to come in on a book where you're following up on an event. Or a major, major change to a character, like him ha having lost his memory. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm assuming that's where it was left off. So if that's the case, 
then it would have been nice for her to have had a Jeff Johns type opportunity to do whatever she wanted with the character because she was starting fresh. That's clearly not the case here. And it's unfortunate because she's the only one of the, the new crop that we talked about who didn't get that opportunity. Right, this is 100%. issue 43, you know? And I, I wonder if there is something to that, you know? Maybe this, maybe the event just didn't leave Aquaman in a position where something like that could happen. Yeah, because um, it just feel like a lo- like a loose end. Yeah, um, you know, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back in the old days. Oh, here we go, Papa Kale. <laughs> you know, they would just you know a new writer would come on and and the the issue number wouldn't change. It wouldn't be a new number one. Sure. Right. You know. Um. So you know, and then and then the art, the author, uh, and you know the team would, uh, make something happen. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that was the the design. Um, I you know I I I can't imagine she you know was looking to to revamp Aquaman in the same way she did like Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, so you know I, I think you know it may it very well may be too early to tell what she wants to do. And also, it's worth pointing out that uh, G. Willow Wilson's Wonder Woman series also did not have a new number one. That started with uh, number 58. So, and by all accounts, that's good. I actually am very excited to jump on with that. I haven't had the chance to read it, but uh, um, by all accounts, that's very good. So, it's already started. All in all, uh, I'm uh, I'm into this new DC wave of books, though. Even in, even in light of this one being a little weaker. Uh, they've hooked me back in. In a way that uh, it's been a few years, three years since I felt this kind of invested. Yeah, and there's no reason to think that this book can't improve. Certainly. Yeah. No, of course not. Like once he is able to kind of side, you know, sidestep this, I think they'll be fine. She'll be fine. Once she's able to tell this story and move on to what she wants to do, who knows? Normally, with something like this, I'd wait till the trade, and with the trade, you have the opportunity to let a story play out. When you're waiting monthly, it's a little more like, all right, come on, what do you got? Cool. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our review of Aquaman number 43. Um, we didn't necessarily love it, but uh, there's a lot of room for growth on this series. Kelly Sudeconic is a very talented writer um, who's got a lot of acclaim attached to her name. And this is a great creative team, honestly. Visually, it is a fantastic-looking book. And uh, worth the price of admission for that alone. So um, I like the I, I we didn't get to touch on a lot of it, but I, I really like the lettering in this book, especially like the the captions. Oh yeah, you know yeah. whoever this whoever this narrator is, um, you know if it's Kaylee or, or whoever, uh, the these red captions are, are I really like it. Clayton Cowles, he's top top dude. And uh, I I like the inking on this. The uh, Enriquez did like a really good job. He, he has this like um, uh, like wood sort of carved look uh, with like the the lines and everything. I it, it was it was really really nice. Yeah, it and I I think what adds to uh, the the feeling I was describing, you know, when we first started talking about this, is is that this this the art makes this feel old 
If that, uh-huh. You know if that makes sense. Interesting. I uh, yeah, and I think I think the wood huh. wood carving uh, uh, comparison there you made, Marco, is is very apt. I I think it uh, uh, that really works for it. Huh? Oh, you got the wood carving version of this issue? Yeah, that's how I get all my books. So uh, that's probably going to be our last comic book review of the year. Um, that's probably going to be our last comic book review because next issue will be dead. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, but that being said, uh, if you guys have had the opportunity to pick this book up and you felt differently, please do let us know. We'd love to hear uh, some dissenting opinions on this one. Uh, otherwise, of course, as usual, you can let us know your thoughts about things we talked about on this or any other episode of the Comics Pals by hitting us up on social media at the Comics Pals. As Matt did, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And of course, if you're on YouTube, then you can be f- you can be sure to leave us a like, drop us a comment, hit that share button, and subscribe to our channel. All the aforementioned things are free to do. Help us out a ton. So give the Comics Pals a Christmas gift and uh, show your love. All Some we want plugs. for Christmas is you. That's right. Hey. And uh, some sponsorship money. <laughs> you can find Pete at the... No, no, no. Pete can speak for himself. Oh. <laughs> at... Great plug. Underscore? <laughs> oh, my mistake, Pete. I didn't mean to talk over you. I, I forgot you were even here, actually. There you go, loud underscore Pete. His plugs usually take the longest. Don't uh, don't forget to check out his podcast, the Loot Pots podcast, Pots and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And also uh, the Video Game Pals on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure to I'm sure you and Thompson will have some sort of Christmas something or other. Um, no promises there. Oh, listen, I'm trying my best, Pete. <laughs> All right, Pete. We've heard enough out of you. God damn. Let's let uh, let's let Kale do his business here. So you can find me at Toto and Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. Uh, I've got comics with uh, my friends uh, at Panels Comics on Comicsology under Panels Publishing. You can find our selfie store at selfie.com slash Panels Publishing. Um, and come talk to me about Cerebus and Spawn. I am genuinely interested in in having that conversation and and i would uh really like to do uh more research to to um have that discussion so uh please uh please hook me up if you got it awesome marco you can find me at mr marco anamoto on instagram and twitter i also started do patrol volume two good stuff i'm happy with the first issue so far or this would be like which one's volume two? Uh, that's where it's starting to pick up from, um, like the whole meat stuff, and it's going into like some of the milk war. You're talking about uh, the, new, the, the new Doom Patrol too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Broadway stuff. That's some legit H. That was some legit HR, huh? <laughs> um. Well, as I said in the beginning of the show. This show has been shut down like the federal government. So if you want to reach out to me at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter and Instagram, don't bother because we are on shutdown. Trying to get funding for that wall to block out the long box. <laughs> Trying to block out Pete from coming to shore.
So so we need five billion dollars. That's right. And last but not least, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about Aquaman. Uh, and of course, you can listen to our Aquaman review, which is out as well right now, and our Aquaman book club. So we've got lots of uh, lots of Aquaman stuff for you to enjoy. So with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See ya next week. Glub glub, everyone. Oh God, get back on that uh, long box lewd chat. I agree, Pete. <laughs>